Cecil Ligar with another episode of the Way to College podcast. And, um, you know, when I started the podcast, I started the podcast because, because my students, the students I worked with were really um, apprehensive. They um, were worried because they felt like they didn't have everything figured out. And everybody around them, all of the uh, quote unquote adults in the room told them they needed to know what they were going to do and what they were going to be when they grew up and and where they were going. And uh, it, it, it was overwhelming for them. And so for me, the, the podcast has been a passion project. It's been fun to collect these stories, but more importantly, to be able to show students that, you know, for a lot of us, we learn as we go. And very few of us have life figured out at 18, 19. And, and so I'm really excited about today's guest because I don't know today's guest's journey. I, I've heard bits and pieces from other people. And so I, I met our guest today through my affiliation with the Tacho organization, so Texas Association of Chicanos and Higher Ed. And, uh, and he's got his own podcast. And so I hope he, he, he tells us about that so we can go and check that out. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to let him introduce himself. So, so Carlos, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners out there? Uh, for sure. Uh, my name is Dr. Carlos Garantuay, and I am the Director of Admissions overseeing our student enrollment center at Del Mar College, um, a graduate of Texas A&M University, Corpus Christi, Kansas State University, and Del Mar College, uh, prior military service member, Dacha member, and I find that a uh, little bit of a fun tidbit, I have found to be able to separate my purpose from my job, and a lot, it, it, it's something of a concept that a lot of people have difficulty uh embracing but it has allowed me to be able to exercise the type of flexibility that i often look for in being able to provide the most of myself um, professionally and personally wow I'm, I'm looking forward to, to that i want to hear more about that um you know uh and 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 Dr. Alonsway, may I call you Carlos? For sure. I didn't even I didn't even ask that. I'm sorry. But okay, so so let me ask you before the question because I I've I've given you that question. I wanted you to think about the the first question, but let me ask you, Carlos, when you were 18, 19, did you ever think you'd be the director of admissions at a at a college? No. <laughs> no, not in any way, shape, or form. Um, my road to education started off with the belief that I was not cut out for higher education. Where does that beginning for you? Just like I ask all my guests, if you had to identify a starting point for educational journey, where does that starting point for you? Um, starting point for educational journey. So my presumption about my capacity for higher education kind of started where a lot of people tend to get their perception of their own limitations. And that was really just sort of establishing and understanding that my father served in the military and that was relatively the family business. And so because I had grown up so heavily in that culture, that's what I anticipated that I was going to do. I would imagine for a lot of um, I would imagine for a lot of brown people that that is a presumption that 
I, I'm going to my path is going to be heavily influenced by by what it is that my 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 parents did. And um, it wasn't like I was against going into the military. I was very familiar with it. It was what I knew. But I think something that really just sort of sold me on the idea was the fact that I had a lot of really smart friends and I saw them struggling with trigonometry. I saw them studying with chemistry and physics. I was like, I'm having trouble with algebra. And if y'all are having trouble with those classes, I am going to get destroyed in college. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go ahead and stick with what I know, uh, the folly of youth. And so uh, I, I went ahead and I, I went in and enlisted into the United States Air Force. Uh, my father is a uh, retired chief from the U.S. Coast Guard. And so a um, little bit of a different path than he took. But um, when I left the military and... Uh, I started going, uh, I, I, I took a first semester in college because I was like, well, I'm going to have to learn how to do something. And after my first semester, I, I going into my first semester, I was really concerned because I was like, okay, I'm going to be sitting with a whole bunch of younger people who are right out of high school who understand what's going on. I'm going to get toasted. And when I got done with my first semester in college, I, I left the campus thinking, I think I might very well be the smartest man alive um <laughs> just by the relation in comparison to what i thought i felt like going in um I, I i took some time after that first semester to really sort of recalibrate uh where my life's direction was going to go and um fast forward several years later um i kind of made a choice that i was going to go ahead and go back to school but that that sort of hope in the journey was cemented by a question by a fascinating woman who has now become my wife. And she asked me a very simple question uh, when we were at work. Um, what are you doing here? And so I proceeded to describe what I had planned for the day. Well, I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do this because we worked together at the time. We hadn't started dating yet because I was uh, um, got a personal rule that I, I don't date people that I work with. And so, um, especially now, obviously. But when I went into, uh, uh, we were we were friends and, and she had asked me, you know, what are you doing here? Um, Again, went down my checklist. She goes, no, 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 no. That, that's that's not what I mean. What are you doing here? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, there are certain things that fit. There are certain things that belong. And not that you don't belong here, but you don't fit here. Like you, there's there's something about you. You're, you're meant for a lot more than this. Mm. And I was just like, the eye, in my mind, the, of course, the eye cannot see itself. And so I was very intrigued and like, well, that you see that in me. That's you, you're able to observe that, that, that I have a capacity for a lot more than what I am choosing to do. And so I was like, well, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I said, because I am going back to school. Um, and so that was really just sort of like confirming my my idea that going back to school was the right thing to do. 
So, Scott, I want us I want us to to take a step back because, for sure, you know, you're you're that first semester where you're thinking, okay, I'm not going to do well. I'm going to get destroyed, and leaving like you're the smartest man in the world. <laughs> Tell, how old are you at that point? Mm, about 26, 27. So you'd, you'd already served in, in the Air Force for how long at that point? Uh, two enlistments, about seven, eight years. Okay. And then, um, at, so you, you're, you're taking these courses. Was it, did you see yourself as a, it? were you still enlisted at this point? Let me ask you. No, I had already separated from the military. Okay. Okay. So you do this tour, you're going to school. What are your aspirations at that point? I really hadn't quite figured it out. Um, I really wanted to, um, I really wanted to just sort of learn and kind of immerse myself in in that higher education experience uh my first um major that i chose was english because i had this notion that i had watched a lot of television a lot of movies over the years and so i just had this notion of being able to equate um movies and music as forms of literature and then i had a couple of professors that you know really um i guess took a liking to me and so one of them in particular she recruited me into the political science department um i was very fascinated with her um uh ability to teach mm-hmm. And so, and even the things that we were talking about, I was like, yeah, these are really high level concepts. I really, I really like thinking about these things. And so that was my first introduction. But again, uh, I was only there for, for a semester or two. And so uh, I needed to take some time away to um, better assess where it was I wanted to go and what I, what it is that I wanted out of life. And um, again, maybe to some degree, folly of you thinking that, I could make that decision in that moment of where, what the direction my life was going to be. So I took, I did take a step uh, away from, from college at that time and just sort of tried to gain a little bit more experience to understand at least what it was I didn't want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course, you know, life has its own way of dictating to us what uh, the next steps are going to be. Yeah. And so, uh, no, I didn't really have a, uh, I had interests and I was hoping that those interests would flourish into something more um, codified Mm -hmm. or providing a little bit more direction, but uh, it it didn't turn out, it didn't turn out that way then. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for for, uh, walking me back a little bit. Now, the next interesting thing that really stood out to me was when you met your wife and and you didn't tell us where 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 is it that she said what are you doing here where were you working so uh we were working at a local school district 
in a in the transportation department. Um, again, I was just trying to really just sort of trying to work. And I had an old high school friend that she was like, hey, there's going to be this position opening up um, at uh, our old school district. You might want to take a look at it. You you have like you 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 have like these these uh, these skill sets that might play really well into it. And I said okay, so I went and I applied and and uh, and I got it. And so um, at that time, I was the department's uh, secretary coordinator, and my uh, now wife was the clerk. And so uh, doing that sort of secretary coordinator, I guess nowadays they'd call it like an administrative assistant. I'm not sure. Um, but there was a lot of logistical coordinating with um, with bus routes and um, mappings and customer service with the community because, you know, sometimes little Billy or little Susie doesn't make it home on time. And, yeah. you know, obviously, you know, parents are freaking out and we want to make sure that they're, that the, the child is accounted for uh, state reports, uh, making sure that all the, uh, just a lot of sort of administrative duties were going along with that. And um, my wife was doing um, more like record keeping at that time. So. So you decide I'm going to go back to school and and uh, and now walk us forward a little bit. So from that moment, she's seeing something more in you than what you, than, you know, you, you don't fit here. You seem out of place. What effect did that have on you then? Um, so first of all, I found it a little bit funny uh, because of my decision to go back to school. I was like, okay, thank you, Universe, for that confirmation. I appreciate that. And, um, but it also, it, it struck me as, as encouraging to be able to see someone that, of course, like at the time we were still friends, but to have someone who, I was sort of like in this very in-between phase. I either knew people who knew me for an extraordinarily long time or people who knew me for a very brief amount of time. And so having somebody who had known me for a, a relatively brief amount of time understand and see my potential for 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 much bigger things that 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 felt good, especially coming out of the military and because my father had served a whole career. I've had relatives that have served whole careers. And because I didn't serve a whole career, um, there was something of a, there was something of a, of a, of a, of a weight that I felt a, a very close, uh, a very close friend of mine, uh, Mike Barton, was the one that had pointed it out to me. He goes, you, "I, I think you're feeling what they call survivor's remorse," uh, because I didn't do my whole career, and I really sort of felt like because that I didn't, and I had a lot of friends and family that did, 
that I didn't do my part, that I had that I had failed. And so um, but having having her sort of be like, you you still have you still have a lot to give. It may not be in the way that it, what I heard was it may not be the way that you wanted. It may not be the way that you intended, but you still have a lot to give. So that that felt very that felt very nourishing to my spirit to understand that because I didn't get what I what I didn't because I did not get what I intended. That didn't mean that I couldn't get what I needed or what I wanted or what I deserved. And so, uh, yeah, it sort of, it, it, it felt very nourishing for me in that way. Wow. And what you describe, um, it, it, I mean, it just sounds so profound. I mean, one, like you said, right, there's that confirmation from the universe that, that you know, you, you need to go back. But then uh, also, you know, talking about that, survivor's remorse and feeling like i mean everything that you just described by talking about your family and 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 those that that gave their lives to service um and for you finding finding your way finding your purpose um it's incredibly profound you at at this point are you taking classes or you hadn't decided you, I know you decided you wanted to go back, but you hadn't been, you hadn't re resumed school. Had you? No. Um, that was at the beginning of, I would say roughly like the beginning of the summer. And I was going back that fall. So I had already committed to it. Mm -hmm. uh, there was still this sort of like, mm, not so much apprehension to go, but still very that 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 feeling of um, being unassured of you know the, what path to take. There's 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 a litany of of of, of futures that you could pick, and so uh, really honing in on the one because you of course feeling that pressure of, well, I have to pick the right one. If I don't pick the right one, the entire rest of my life is a domino effect, and it can completely fall apart. Can I stop you really quick right there? So, because, so that moment, that feeling, and I apologize, how old are you at this point? Um, I'm not sure my exact age, maybe. Honestly, I'm not really sure. So a little bit of a funny, a funny thing, um, knowing the military culture, I kind of quit keeping track of my birthdays for a really long time. <laughs> I didn't ever want to tell anybody because <laughs> in the military, we have a, a very uh, interesting way of showing affection towards one another in that by and large, for the most part, um, we treat each other like crap <laughs> trying to, i'm trying to keep very clean language here but we 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 very much torment each other as a way of affection and so i was like you know what i think i'm gonna keep my birthday to myself we're gonna go ahead and put that off to the side um so up until maybe about five years ago i just really 
didn't bother keeping track. So I really don't know as a point of reference. Okay, good to I know. Have to do the calculator to do it. <laughs> good to know. But let me ask you, you know, because because really because I started the podcast because of that very feeling, that very sense, right? That that I think a lot of young people feel. And periodically, I'll ask my guests, give me give me some advice for this. Give me some advice for that. What do you tell a young person? You know, you work now in admissions, you oversee admissions. What do you tell a young person who's feeling like that? 18, 19, and I've got to make the, they're thinking I've got to make the right decision or else everything's screwed up. Um, so every response is really predicated on what the student needs. Uh, I don't offer a cookie cutter approach. Um, I don't necessarily offer, I don't have any like magic words. As as an example, I had a student here recently that I was helping. She was walking down the hallway and she was getting re-registered or changing her major for school. She was like, yeah, I'm, um, I'm gonna be switching majors from foreign languages to business. I said, oh, okay, why is, why is that? Well, business is a good field to go into and to give me a variety of different reasons. And and I don't know, I guess I just have a little bit of a different way of looking at things because of my past experience. There's a lot of an inherent thinking processes that came from maybe just being a God on Swai, from being a military member, all these different life experiences. He says, yeah, I'm going to be switching from business to or from from language, uh, foreign art, languages to, to business. I said, okay, well, maybe not think about just throwing away that opportunity with four languages. If you're truly interested in business, why don't you start your own business as a way of utilizing your four languages? You could be an intermediary. You could be someone who translates for major corporations and boards that maybe don't necessarily speak the four languages that you do. And then you can be your own boss, but you can still be utilizing your foreign languages. Don't don't discard one set of skills and abilities for another when you could bring be bringing them together and incorporating something new. And she was just like, what? <laughs> I didn't even think of that. And I was like, OK, well. Now, you know, um, another student, it, it, another student, it could really just be a matter of not understanding our processes. And so um, everybody, everybody has everybody has different sets of, of needs. And I think that it's important to be able to if we're going to serve our students that we really need to take the time to figure out what their needs are. Now, a lot of I do see a lot of students not even necessarily my capacity here, but even as a student, seeing a lot of my fellow students at that time, just not, not um, being acculturated into our processes and culture of higher education. It looks like high school. It smells like high school. It sounds like high school. So I'm going to approach it like high school. And it's just like that. That's not necessarily going to work. Um, and so there's definitely a difference in the way that I like to try and just 
approach them. I like to try and create like an actual, even if it's just brief, a personal connection that allows me to serve them as an individual. That that that's that's usually what I try and 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 provide because uh, you know it, it, what works for one is not what is not going to necessarily be what works for another. So, I I love that. I love that, and um, I and particularly, you know what I appreciate, Carlos is, you know, to, going back to that first student about the the foreign languages and the business, and this idea that I've, I've got to pick one, right. Versus I'm, I'm developing these skills. There is a way that I might be able to combine them, utilize both, right. Leverage both. Um, and so seeing beyond just this kind of like a, a very strict narrow path, as I appreciate. And, and then I, I, I love, right. What is it that the student needs, right? What's, what's that at that point, what do they need? What is it that they need from me or from the institution whatever? So, so let me ask you then, how did you find your way? You're returning to school. You're worried about, am I going to make the right decision? How did you find your way? Well, just for clarification for both you and the audience, I consider myself still a work in progress. So I don't want to, I don't want to. We all are. We all are. But at that point, but at that point, at at that point, yeah, to move forward. So, I've always been something of a very heavily self-reflective person and I understood, okay, I walked away from what I, I thought I knew about what my future was going to be and who I am and stuff. Um, my family's culture, they're fantastic communicators and storytellers. Um, but they would never see that as a potential of us as a potential of a way to build a life. Our family's culture viewed and valued work very much uh, from like a blue collar mentality, like real work required you to be tired and exhausted at the end of the day, real work meant that you were that you were spent you were giving your absolute all every single day and um that was the cost of being successful and i had to sit i i didn't have to i chose to sit back and think okay if i thought that my future was going to be path a based off of the off of the frameworks that i had created because the, that framework was built off of what i thought i knew then if i tear down those frameworks i could rebuild myself rebuild my perception based off of the limit almost limitless possibilities in college but that would be my responsibility to sort of turn off the frameworks, turn off the turn off the assumptions, turn off the limitations that I had already established for myself based off of my limited frameworks. I had to I, I really had to sort of like intentionally hold back my biases. 
I had to like not allow myself to get in my own way. And so I thought, okay. And again, maybe this is where this, some of this advice comes from for the people that I, I engage. I allowed my whole self to be a part of that process. I took my family's culture of being fantastic storytellers. I took my want and aspiration to be able to be clear and truthful and just in reflecting and kind of a little bit of, of, a, of, a, of a flashback growing up as a military kid being the new kid in the town every every you know two or three years television was my friend those were the people that were consistent outside of my family those were the people that were consistent in my life were the characters in the tv shows and so i did have like a deep connection to storytelling the production of television the production of stories so um I kind of, again, pulled all these different pieces together and rebuilding a framework of what I thought I wanted to do. And I chose to go back to school for uh, radio and television broadcasting with with a sort of minor in, in journalism and, and public relations. Um, but that's what I that's what I chose uh, as my as my focus of study was really sort of looking at these different spheres in my life that allowed me to build a new frame structure um, and a new framework in how I was perceiving things. Man. I love what you said about turning off the frameworks, turning off the assumptions. Um, because I think that's hard to do, right? I, I think, man, that is so hard for us to do, and especially in the academy. And we tell kids, you come in and you got to pick a major and you've got to pick like a track. And, and, and I, you know, a lot of times intentionally, unintentionally, I don't know, we discourage kids from bringing, like, bring yourself, bring your whole self to the classroom. But it sounds like that's exactly what you did every you brought everything with you so you decide radio television film journalism what's next um so i ended up what i what i was intending on doing was becoming a uh, news anchor here at one of the local television stations and as i advanced um in my education, I was like, well, I'm gonna, uh, I, it would probably be beneficial, be beneficial to me in my potential career to make sure that I had maybe a bachelor's degree, not just an associate's degree to really sort of, you know, stabilize and, and, and inform my, uh, uh, you know, potential employers that I, I, I do have a, a uh, an education that, that just to be able to make myself more marketable. Um, and so I transferred over to the local university and I didn't really see almost anybody that I could, uh, connect with, relate to, um, maybe sort of see as a, as, as a mentor based off of a lot of superficial stuff, um, 
I didn't see a whole lot of Brown faculty. Um, I didn't really connect with the student veteran community that well there. And it was it was also par- probably uh, a part of the fact that I was trying to maybe reacclimate into where it was that I was going and kind of maybe leaving the past in the past to a certain degree um, because I didn't really want to be judged as as the veteran guy. I didn't really want to have that limitation on me. I didn't want to carry around that label and then have people sort of make their own presumptions about me without really getting to know who I was. And so, uh, but something that I did keep uh, as a lens of being able to uh, maybe identify uh, the types of, of people that I was able to connect with. And that was, that was values. And so uh, I did find uh, four professors that their values were what was was what drew me to them, the way that they conducted themselves in class, the way that they served their students, the way that they made an effort to understand people who did not look like or sound like them. Um, and the way that they were always continuously sort of being open-minded to other people's perspectives, not really trying to correct me, but incorporate and include my perspective in what was going on. And so um, even if I was way off target, they would still kind of be like, okay, well then let's talk about it. How does that, uh, how does that apply? So that kind of inclusion. And uh, I was like, wow, this is, it was really a lot of fun. You know, I, 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 those professors, that set of professors uh, showed me how fun, you know, higher education, teaching and higher education could, could be. And so I decided, you know what, I haven't really quite figured out maybe, especially understanding that news reporting and news anchoring um, requires to some degree, a lot of travel. You got to go to different markets a lot of time, most of the time. Um, our our daughters were still um, uh, growing up. And so I didn't really want to, we didn't really want to pull them away from a community that they had already kind of grown to know. Like, okay, well then let's find something that I, I can always go back to news. I can go back to, to, to being a news anchor, maybe, maybe exploring something a little bit more stable would be helpful. So um, I went and I got my um, my bachelor's degree. I ended up getting in media communication. Uh, again, it's sort of an extension of that news anchoring direction, also incorporating my um, sensibilities for, for media production. Uh, studied a lot of, of uh, actual like media production, like film production and, and television production uh, analysis of the medias. And then when I went to go get my... Um, master's degree it was still a um when i went to go get my master's degree it was still in communication but it leaned far more heavily on um interpersonal communication uh crisis management and public relations 
And so um, that was a change for me. But I one of the sort of greater experiences going through grad school is that I I, I, I understood I understood my capacity in that I could be a great dad, I could be a great student, or I could be a great employee. I could pick two of the three, but I didn't really feel confident that I had the capacity to do all three at the same time. And so thinking, okay, well, buy me a little bit of time and getting my master's degree It'll allow me to be able to build up a little bit more credibility for that area, but it'll also allow me the stability of still being able to do the two most important things out of those three, and that was being uh, a great dad and husband and being a great student. And so uh, those those were my priorities. Uh, those are what I picked as my priorities, and I held off on starting my career. But I got to I do what I did is I became a uh, graduate teaching assistant, and so I really had my own set of public speaking courses that I got to teach on my own. And I got to really incorporate that. And even in the last year, the summer before my last year of graduate school, I got, uh, I, I was assigned as a, as an adjunct instructor, which was like really, really rare in that, in that particular university, uh, to have someone who hasn't even completed grad school yet as an, as an adjunct, it may be a little bit more common now, but, uh, they were like, no, that's, that really doesn't happen in our particular college. I was like, wow. So I got, I won some awards for, for my, for my teaching. And I was like, you know what? It's time for a timeout. I'm going to go ahead and go to work. Uh, I got hired on in our college relations department here at, at the college. And, uh, so I wanted to just be able to provide to my family, uh, a, a place of stability a sense of stability because they had constantly be they had constantly be seen me as as a student and it's hard to provide a sense of stability with with that type of lifestyle and so um before the, our daughters graduated high school uh, I went ahead and uh like you know what I'm going to go ahead and start working so that's how I that's how my trajectory changed just through grad school and then a couple of years down the road, I got uh, uh, was was another chapter, <laughs> the, the the last chapter of my higher education process. You um, one. Thank you. Thank you for taking us through that. Um, you know, listening to your story, it's fascinating. You know, the, the the you talk about finding yourself in the storytelling and bringing your whole self as you navigated college, you know, navigating higher ed and and then but also finding joy in the teaching and uh, in, in, in the, your role as a student, but then also as a teacher, you mentioned something at the beginning about being able to separate your purpose and work. And, and um, at what point did you realize one that you could do that? And what do you mean by that? So it'd probably be a little bit easier to, I guess, sort of explain or define that. Um, a lot of people tend to highly personalize the job that they do and they wrap their identity around it. The job that they do, and they assign some sort of personal value to it. 
and I didn't want to be limited by that. Very similar to how I didn't want people to just sort of judge me or categorize me by my veteran status. I didn't want that to be the thing that people knew or 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 that was the that was the extent as to how much they were going to get to know me was just simply by that label. Um that's something that I hold near and dear to my heart. But that's 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 for me. That's in my back pocket. Um again sort of bringing the whole person there's a lot of different directions that uh, a lot of different variables that that kind of consume this so I'll, again i'll start with the, the 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 definition again a lot of people will assign a, a certain value to the job that they do and that kind of limits them as to how much value that they can actually see in themselves. Does the job, how much does the job pay? How long have I been at the job? If you're not getting promoted, have you lost your value? Because that's, that's the only place that you'll be stuck, that you'll be stuck at if you want to continue to grow and expand and do more. I find my purpose to be different than my job because I like to be able to connect people to resources that they need to be the best version of themselves. I like to in helping them be the best version of themselves, hope to grow them into leaders. And I very much like to leave any place that I have been in better than I found it. Those are my purposes. The fun thing about that, I can do that anywhere. I am not bound by the title that I carry. I am not bound by the job that I do. I'm not even necessarily bound by the industry that I serve whichever one that may be, I can carry and take my skill set in virtually any industry, maybe with some technical training that I might need for some industries. I can take my skill set into almost any environment and be able to find a way to utilize them. And I think that's what gives me a little bit different perspective on separating my purpose from my job because if i only put if i only focused on my job if i over personalized my job then i could only do my best i can only continue to advance and grow and explore in that field and heaven forbid anything happens to that job I've attached and assigned so much of my identity around it, my value around it. I run the risk of losing my personal value if anything happens to that job. And I don't want to, I don't want to give power to that type of passiveness. I don't want to lose my sense of decision and autonomy and control over 
where I can decide to go and what I can do with my life because that one thing is gone now. So that's the explanation. But you had kind of, you had also asked another element of that question. And when did I realize that? I don't think there was an exact time because there were all these other things that were happening at play. And it, I guess to some degree, it kind of goes back to when I was a kid. Um, like I said, my dad was a chief in the Coast Guard and they all saw him a very certain way. And I saw myself, I saw our relationship a different way. And there were there were quite a few times he, he had to do some very dangerous things. And as often as the case, whenever you're in a certain environment for so long, the behaviors kind of stick and it takes a little bit of time to decompress and recalibrate, shift your perspective into adapt into the environment in which you're in. One of the things my dad used to tell me about the about the military is they teach you how to turn it on, but they don't teach you how to turn it off. That was something that I had seen him progress and do over the years that I've, you know, uh, observed him and studied him um, informally, of course, as as sons often do with their dads. And I just found it fascinating that how different a perspective his troops had on him than I did. Sometimes he'd come back from from, ver from some very dangerous trips and he would still talk to me in that mode. And I don't remember how old I was, definitely younger than maybe nine, eight or nine. Felt Looking back now, I was like, man, you probably taking your life into your own hands, kid. Um, I looked at my dad when he was trying to give me a certain tone and direction. And I told him, um, I'm not one of your troops. I'm your son. Can you talk to me like you're my dad? And I think it triggered something in him that was like, okay. And um, I don't know. I just think that there was a very profound moment of growth for both of us in that place. And he would give me advice when I was in the military. He was he would give me advice about the, those types of moments of how do you, how do you decompress? You know how do you how do you recalibrate? How do you do those types of things? And he he would he would give he would coach me. He would he would give me advice. Um. But understanding how we perceive people, the lens that we use to see them, we go in, we have a very limited understanding of what's going on in their lives or in their minds. And I guess, again, kind of going back to that capacity as, a, as, as trying to be a, a great husband and dad, I got to grow up. I had the very fortunate blessing of being able to grow up and see my dad more than just my dad. I got to grow up and see him as a person. I got to see him as a flawed human being. I got to see him make mistakes. I got to see him try to do better. I got to see him as a, as a human, which was so much more incredibly valuable to me than just seeing him as a dad. So much so that in my relationship with with our daughters, I wanted to be able to have and duplicate that connection. So I tried to be 
fairly vulnerable in whenever they maybe kind of piss me off, kind of think through how can I explain to them? How can I explain to them? This is what you are doing. This is how I am receiving it. How can we get back on the same page? Because understanding even to, to some degree a dynamic, both my wife and I having understanding that there were going to be things in which we modeled to them of what a healthy relationship looks like, being able to understand that the type of partner that they picked would be influenced by the type of relationship that we had with them and with each other. I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't want a, 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 a son-in-law, daughter-in-law, an, an asshole in-law. Oh, I wanted, I wanted my kids, I wanted my kids to pick. I wanted our daughters to pick a partner that was going to be someone that was nourishing to them and fulfilling and supportive and respectful and loving and compassionate and, and supportive. And so I was just like, if I want that for them, I need to model that to them. And so um, we took great amount of, of, of effort in trying to make sure that we did that. And, but even now, our daughters are out of the home now. They've gotten their degrees and they're, they're, they're living their own lives. And so now comes a very strange part in our lives where we're empty nesters. And we have tried to be a little bit more preemptive and proactive in this aspect that I didn't want us to be in a situation where the only way we knew each other was through our role as mom, our role as dad. And because our children are out of the house now, we have no way of actually being able to see and recognize the other person anymore. And so we went to processes of, again, that sort of dynamic and notion, the whole person. How do we explore fun? How do we explore our date nights? How do we explore struggles at work together so that we see each other as more than just the role and capacity and the framework that we have placed on there? And so that's what we've tried to do. There are certainly days with struggle. There are certainly days with challenges, but because we have that and we see each other as humans, we see each other as trying. A lot of times my daughters, whenever they say thank you, I have a hard time saying you're welcome. So when they say thank you, I tell them I try. Because I want them to understand there's effort behind whatever it was that I did. If it if if I was perfect and it didn't if it if I didn't have to try, then it came easy, which could be seen as, well, it didn't cost me anything. Um making the effort is 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 worthwhile not just to be able to help them with whatever it was but to let them know everything takes effort you have to try man when you break it down you break it down <laughs> <laughs> but, but but i appreciate that like like really, I mean, man, you talk about the complexity of it, and and I, like you had me back when you were talking about right separating your purpose, and uh, I was a school board member for four years, and I was school board president for two years, and what I saw, I I didn't get reelected, 
I was heartbroken for 24 hours and then I was good. I was like, that was a good experience for me. I learned a lot. I grew a lot. I was proud of the work that I did. But when you talked about purpose and separating your purpose from your job, man, it resonated with me. And you talk about the whole person, everything that you described, because because I, I just saw it every day. I saw these politicos, the politicians, that that was, that was who they were. And God forbid they lose, God forbid, right? But, and, and people in other positions where that is who, who they are, everything about them is tied to a particular title or position or job. Um, and so I appreciate you really breaking that down, dissecting that for us. For I sure. appreciate you, you talking about the relationships that you developed with your daughters, but really being intentional about like allowing them to see, be vulnerable and to see like the whole of you. I appreciate all of that, man. That was really powerful. And, and, and so much, I think to tease out and I hope, you know, the listeners really pay attention to that because I think there's a lot there. There's a lot there that, that, uh, I mean, we, we could probably spend a couple of hours <laughs> really digging into that. Carlos, I want to be mindful of our time and I want to be respectful of your time. Sure. And so, you know, as is like these last few few minutes, a couple of things. One is tell us about the work that you do now. How did you find yourself? How did you come to this work? And um, let's go there. Okay. So I started out uh, here at the college in college relations, got to utilize some of my academic skills that I had just obtained in working with the public and communication, but I also got to leverage some of my uh, previous work in the military capacity of being able to strategically plan, uh, utilize assessment, deal with budgets, team building, and that got me a really great start. The 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 woman that hired me, her name was Claudia. Her name is Claudia Jackson. Jackson. Uh, her father was in the military, and she saw a, a lot of value in my experience. And uh, being able to allow me to utilize both of those together was was really sort of fascinating. She was a great uh, mentor. Um, the college went through some changes, and um, we were adopting a new pathways model. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's sort of like instead of organizing programs in ways that make sense to us, it's organized a little bit more clearer for the students to be able to see the longer term trajectory of where they're going to go rather than uh, choose choosing courses a la carte just to satisfy a degree plan. We were also developing a new strategic plan. And that was uh, taking a tremendous amount of, of time and energy from the college. But again, having a background in, in planning and, and strategic planning and assessment. And we were also um, looking to uh, get our 10 year, uh, our 10 year accreditation, which was a huge, uh, a huge undertaking as well. Again, sort of playing into that. And during this time, I had gotten recruited into a doctoral program. And so th those two those two journeys were running parallel to each other. And I got to utilize some of that stuff, uh, got to to really sort of get involved with conferences for the first time. So really developing my my professional um, something of a professional identity, I guess. And um, 
but also while do, while doing all these other very intricate projects and initiatives, teaching a lot of people at the college how to effectively do assessment. Um, it seemed as though a lot of the practice was mostly around storytelling and only highlighting the good stuff, but the real granular and valuable work of assessment is as often as my 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 own uh, behavior, doing a lot of self-reflection on the good, the bad, the opportunist, the, the opportunities for improvement, all that sort of type of thing. And the military was like, we don't just talk about the, we have to talk about the hard stuff too, because that's where the growth happens. And so um, really sort of trying to like engage those those processes, um, training people on how to do it more effectively, um, and and really just sort of again just just growing in all that capacity. Um, my uh, I, I was able to uh, complete my doctoral dissertation. I defended in February of 2022. Uh, graduated in May of 2022, and then. Um, our 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 uh, supervisor left, and the college started to sort of like reorganize um, a, a a very systematic unit that we had built. It was a small unit, but it was it it it, it really had some good uh, way of getting traction. So that that started to getting uh, getting reorganized, and I had an opportunity to uh, work for another really, really um, supportive um, uh, mentor here at the college. And uh, I went ahead and I took that opportunity, really sort of knowing that, no, I didn't have like a tremendous amount of technical expertise in, in admissions. But I did know two things. A, we already had a bunch of very talented and smart people in the technical expertise of admissions probably didn't need another one but there was a capacity of being able to explore opportunities for leadership and vision and team building and um also just an opportunity of being able to um an opportunity of being able to um just Maybe so. I, I I guess as service goes, being able to help the college reestablish many connections and relationships that may have been hurt or damaged, um, specifically because of the 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 COVID pandemic, um, and really just sort of again kind of like with that idea of of helping that one particular student who didn't maybe see the connection of the two majors um just being able to be the type of being able to be the type of um fusion between the college and the student again understanding that there's a lot of disconnect between students and 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 higher education. We do this job so much that mm, maybe we presume that the that the student knows and understands what their responsibilities are, or what they should be doing. 
mm, we do the job enough that maybe we think that we're explaining it effectively enough. (laughs) Um, We have the, and so I I really just wanted to maybe do my part in being able to be that translator because I knew what that was like. And so um, you, again, utilizing my, 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 my research and my dissertation to uh, really sort of understand our relationship with with uh, with students, and uh, I think that 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 was uh, probably the the icing on the cake of helping me get over here. You know, I'm going to go out on a limb, and uh, that student you were talking about, the student you were helping with, you know, connecting the foreign languages and the businesses, and you were talking about being and the the. You know, have you ever thought of being an intermediary? And you just described yourself as being that intermediary. <laughs> I think I, I think what you what you described for that student, the scenario that you uh, painted for them, I think um, you've. It sounds like you've been able to do that for yourself, taking all of these use all of the different selves that you've developed and cultivated over the years. Um, and beautifully bring them together for the work that you're doing now. That's well, awesome. Thank you. Um, I will say this, it was intentional. Um, without realizing it, it was intentional because in choosing a dissertation topic, it wasn't easy. Um, but I had a, a, another uh, academic mentor that was able to really sort of help me put language to what it was that I wanted to explore. And it was that idea of in the military, we 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 provide a bunch of uh, succession training and being able to cultivate leaders from the general enlisted population. We provide them intentional training in how to grow as managers and leaders and supervisors, um, all three different things. A lot of people use them interchangeably, but they are very different. And having some, not not all, but very uh, poignant conversations from uh, faculty in in my doctoral program, um, talking to me as though I this was the first introduction to leadership that I've had. And again, going back to that idea of. Um, you really don't know me. Mm. Why are you presuming that about me? What is it about me that makes you think that I haven't been exposed to leadership training before, to leadership development before? And so um, going back to understanding what it was the, the what it was that I wanted to research, I had a lot of conversations with my wife and I had some conversations with my, with my father about, um, about choosing a topic, but I had a lot of conversations with my wife and it was just sort of that idea of that, that relationship and thinking, if you're treating me like this, if you're talking to me like this as a doctoral student, an educated professional, what types of conversations are we having with our students who have little to no higher education in their background? The modeling that you're giving to me, again, kind of thinking along the lines of generational habits and wealth and, and trauma, am I allowing 
myself, are we as employees allowing ourselves to model that treatment that we're getting and passing it along to our students? And so I was like, okay, so I'm going to go with my story. Um, and again, kind of long conversations with my wife about being able to really craft out what it was I wanted to study. Uh, ultimately, in its very sanitized phrasing, I wanted to study the types of life skills or non-cognitive attributes, as we say in academics, what types of non-cognitive attributes are student veterans learning during their enlisted service that they are utilizing for success in higher education? Clearly, things like the TSI, the ACT, SAT, th those, those are horrible metrics in being able to predict whether a student's going to succeed. And we know this because if all those students who scored great in all of their in all of their tests, we wouldn't be in a position to be able to welcome them back and rehabilitate their their GPA at the community colleges. They should go off and complete. There should be 100 percent success rate. The journey of higher education is based off so much more than that. And student veterans were using those skill sets to be able to find success. And I asked, and then again, reflection, how was I able to find success transitioning cultures like that? So much easier than some of my, my military brothers and sisters. The theory that I came up with was that because I had already done it before. Growing up in communities where we where I was told that Spanish was a dead language, that um, there was a particular lens in which uh, it was projected onto me, an understanding of the value of what it meant to be Mexican was not good. Being a good military son, I wanted to uh, be seen as good. I wanted to be accepted and I wanted to not make everybody else uncomfortable. As much as my parents tried to teach me Spanish, I refused to learn because my authority figures at school were telling me all that brown stuff. No mas no. It's it's not it's not gonna be worth anything to you in the in the long term. Um and oddly enough, a lot of people paying good money to learn how to speak Spanish to be able to be marketable <laughs> and competing with me in the market. I'm like, oh, yeah, that that worked out real well. And I guess looking at my culture of choice, the military culture, as opposed to my culture of chance that I was born into being, uh, you know, uh, being brown. I had made the decision when I went back that I wasn't going to do it again. I, I, I found success because I had already done it before. Transitioning into a culture in which I was expected to abandon, abandon my cultural markers to make everybody else comfortable to be accepted and to be seen as good. I decided as part of that framework, the turning off the framework, I wasn't going to do it again. There were things that I learned that I gained from being an enlisted military service member that helped me to find success and i wasn't going to abandon those cultural markers again just to make everybody else feel okay and <clears throat> i 
that was really sort of the direction that I took with my with my dissertation research. But it also was something of a homage, I guess, to that idea of valuing my whole self, not parsing it out for the sake of being accepted. Um, and I don't want to put that onto our students. There are things that they have experienced in their life. They have things that they may not even realize are skills and experiences that have equipped them to be successful in higher education, really in any venture that they choose. But here in this capacity with higher education, I don't want them to give those things up. There may be fine tuning a bit of how they execute them, but I don't want them to give those things up. I don't want them to parse themselves out. I don't want them to have to omit part of who they are just so the rest of us can feel okay. Because those are the parts that are not only going to make them successful, but those are the parts that are going to help us learn something about ourselves as professionals and as an institution. Carlos, I always ask my guests to give us, leave us with some advice. But given what you've just shared, like I can't think of a better way to end the podcast. I think you're at, no, I, I, I mean, honestly, I think you're absolutely right. I think that's powerful stuff. And I think, um, I, I know, I know exactly, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, I uh, I'd like to think it's a message that I share with my students, but I think I, I just can't think of a more powerful way to end, end our conversation. What do you think? I agree. Um, <laughs> Yeah, because I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing. I, I'm I'm sharing with you a part of me because, um, well, first of all, you were very kind enough to be able to uh, invite me to be a guest, and I don't think that that sharing. Um, I find my sharing as a way of reciprocating my gratitude for you inviting me to be on. But I don't think that I would be able to be authentic in answering that particular question, not as a reflection for any of your other guests, but for me as a person, individual, I can only own my own actions. I don't think that I could manufacture a response to that question um, without knowing who is going to receive it. Mm -hmm. Because just like helping the students those messages are crafted individually, personal, personally for each one that I that I that I speak with. Um, so, I think you're right. I think that's a great way to end it because I don't know who is going to hear this. So, hopefully, whatever I have provided, they will be able to hear it and consume it in a way that will they will decide how will be they will make use of it for themselves. I agree. I agree. Carlos, thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your story. Thank you for the honesty. Um, man, it was, um, at times I felt like I was sitting in a, in a lecture. 
and I appreciated that. It was good. I felt like I went back to school, uh, and I miss I miss those moments. So so thank you, thank you for it, it was just so powerful. Um, and so yeah, just thank you. I try. This concludes another episode of the Way to College podcast. Thank you to my guests. Thank you to our listeners out there. Please make sure you subscribe, rate, follow, all that good stuff. And uh, don't forget to share the podcast with one person. I'm sure they'll appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Thank you and bye-bye.